You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. couple of weeks, uh, we had a bit of a break, a couple of commitments uh, left, right and centre, but uh, guess, guess what? More of our state of our football nation on the way here at FNR. George Danikian along with Lockie Flanagan, who's been very busy uh, travelling from one end of the state to the other. It's that sort of thing. Is this your way of trying to keep warm or something, is it? Well, Off to Ballarat every I mean, now and then and back into the city and then back to Ballarat? I guess going to Ballarat would not be my way of keeping warm, but then yeah. returning from Ballarat, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, but the thing is, well, once once you've been to an NPL Victoria ground uh, after dark, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think Ballarat really compares. That's a very good point. Uh, I'll very tell you what, point. George, I went to Green Gully Reserve a few weeks ago. Chris Baz? I couldn't feel my toes at right. the end of the game, and I had this multiple layers. This is why the food catering yes. is so important. Yes. You, you go to some of those grounds, Bentley Greens, for example, the number one spot is the counter where they make the food and uh, they deliver the coffee and everything else. And I would suggest to you the same would apply anywhere and everywhere you go in the NPL in Victoria, and the same would apply in New South Wales, and on it goes. And speaking of New South Wales, we'll be crossing in just a moment to uh, someone who's been in the game for the better part of 20 years. He's played for the Socceroos, he's played for Melbourne City, played uh, playing, in fact, for Sydney at the moment. He's the captain. Alex Wilkinson will be the man we'll be crossing and talking to, hoping to join him. Uh, and also a little bit later on, uh, talking to the man who runs the game in New South Wales at MPL level and be, and below. We're talking about the CEO, Stuart Hodge. So very much uh, an opportunity to talk about so many things that have happened this week. It's been a big week. Uh, the new calendar has come out. Yes. Uh, the new scheduling. Uh, we can see that there's provision being made for a national second division. And we're uh, on the, the cusp of a, a full home and away league women's season as well. That, that is, is exciting. I saw someone the other day still complaining that it's not enough. I understand that we'd love it to be 28 games or 30 games, but at the moment it's a whole lot better or likely to be a whole lot better. What, it, what will it be, a 20-game season or a 22-game yeah, 20, season? 20, 20 game season. season. So six more that's, than, that's than a, the I was going to say, a whole lot better than what it was, especially when you consider the um, – the A-League women's started with how many games? 11. Yeah. So we're, we're coming along uh, quietly. Um, yes, everyone wants it done yesterday, and I'm sure the players will be looking and uh, getting very excited. Um, what did you make of the internationals played by the young Matildas? Uh, the, the senior Matildas? Do you, well, I mean, I guess they were kind of young Matildas yeah, in a way because they, they, there were so many players. Um, Correct. Absent. Look, I... I I have to be honest, I think it was a... I always want you to be honest. I never want you to start going down a pathway and doing it only for advocacy's sake. I I want you to be deadly serious uh, because for me, we've got a World Cup, a Women's World Cup to be shared between Australia and New Zealand and there are people galore screaming, going, Mm. what is Gustafsson, the coach of the Matildas, doing? My view is, hey, guys... Um, he was brought in to to get us ready for a World Cup, right? He was also brought in to, to make sure that we expand the borders and the boundaries and the squad because it was starting to get a little uh, not old uh, um, uh, old world, but there are some very seasoned players. And what we need to do is inject some fresh legs yeah. and some fresh minds, some fresh ideas, 
and some young vibrant bodies that that really will energize i mean mary fowler very exciting news will be part of uh, manchester, manchester city, city yeah. or as someone said this morning uh, melbourne city too <laughs> Nice. Um, Very funny. Well, look, I, I'm never never going to sit here and say that young players getting exposed to the international stage is yep. a bad thing. You can never complain when no, someone no, no. like Princess Abini is scoring against um, against a, a European opponent. Yeah. I question whether or not the timing of it was was correct hey, because I know there were there were issues timing, with you, you know timing can be everything senior senior first team players uh, redlining that sort of thing but surely the best time to bring those kind of players in would be to to give them their their chops against um a New Zealand, for example, where the the senior players might have been able to get a rest and that's where you bring the young players in I, I mean throwing I, I felt like they were thrown to the wolves a little bit, particularly in that space. Lambs game. to I, the slaughter. And I wouldn't want that mm. to destabilize their their. I hear that an awful know? lot, you know. I hear people saying, and it's this new era that they're saying we've got to protect them. You know, you only find out what you have when the cauldron of competition is opened up and offered to them. I, I always believe that if you're good enough, you're old enough. Mm. Uh, and I and I believe and I learnt uh, the game in the hardest possible fashion. We used to get slaughtered weekly, mm. and all that did was focus my mind not to worry about the score, but the next challenge that oh. I had. In, in the, and I was a goalkeeper, mm. and we get flogged. We get beaten fourteen nil, uh, you know, eleven nil, nine nil. And you know what? That gave me the impetus. I had three coaches at the time who thought I was good enough to go okay. forward. So but for me, it was a focus to get my, my head right mm. and my technique right but and it, but against, not worry about the score. But against a, a, a team like Spain, uh, who, yep. who I think we could... Who've done it before to other teams. Yeah, but we could conceivably expect to maybe be playing them at the pointy end of a Women's World Cup. That's Would fine. it not be better to work out no, our level against no. them with our first choice no, 11? No two games are ever the same, and I don't okay. care about this business about history. Um, well, you pick a new team, you prepare for it accordingly, and what you end up with is an opportunity to create history, and that's what we've got coming up. And sometimes I, 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 get, I get people that... Um, you, you, you hear it you hear it in the fan base. They get nervy for the players. Really? Forget about getting nervy for the players. Mm. I want the players to be nervous. I want them to be, to be running full of nerves because that tells me that they're getting energised. Yeah. Well, it, yeah? George, it's easy for us to, uh, to sit here and talk about the experience of playing internationals, what's to be gained, but maybe we should, uh, maybe we might be better served by chatting to someone who's uh, been there, done that. What and, a good idea. And bought the t-shirt. You got well, someone uh, in mind? We, I do. <laughs> um, we're going to head to a, a short little little break to hear from our sponsors, but on the other side joining us will be uh, none other than Sydney FC captain Alex Wilkinson. So uh, stick Great around. stuff. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. George Danikian and Lockie Flanagan and that little clip that allows us to hear Johnny Warren's voice takes me back to the early days of SBS when he and um, and uh, Les uh, on a regular basis would regale us with stories and reminders of how important it was to uh, reach and stretch ourselves and you know 
um, this last campaign tested everybody's patience. Indeed, it and did. Uh, and ultimately delivered in the most uh, amazing fashion. And to see um, uh, Redmayne, uh, you know, do something that we had seen him do two or three other times. And I remember one time seeing him doing it in a in an A League game, and I'm thinking to myself, Andrew Redmayne, what are you doing? Well, he he, he outmaneuvered, and he got those Peruvians uncomfortable, and that was enough. And that was enough. And at that elite level, I suppose the last thing they were expecting was to see anyone. Uh, playing heebie-jeebies or attempting to create a whole new dance form um, during an international match. Well, do you want to know something really funny about that, George? Go. Because I, I think there was some sort of discussion and speculation after it all happened. Is, is this going to filter through or are other people going to be inspired yeah. by this manoeuvre? Yeah. yeah, And funnily enough, one of, uh, one of our, our beloved... Uh, Associate clubs here on uh, on Football Nation Radio, Preston Lions, oh, actually out. conceded a penalty in stoppage <gasps> time on Friday night uh, at BT Connor Reserve. <laughs> and Chris Theodorides, the uh, the former Heidelberg United stopper, yep. he was doing the full work, the full Monty, the full no, no, the full, the full red mane. Yeah, the Is only right? thing he didn't do was was throw, was throw away the water bottle oh, because he didn't because it wasn't did he a make the save? He did. Oh, so he, wow. he walked up to the penalty taker. He delayed as long as he possibly could. He probably added on a minute and a half oh, to the whole process. Dear. And he was doing yeah. the dancing on the line. Yeah, and he made the save. Well, there you go, Andrew Redmayne. Uh, long may that impression and that uh, wonderful um, uh, you know performance resonate. So clearly it's working in uh, parts of the MPL competition in Victoria. Indeed it is. Uh, next time we get a chance to speak to Andrew Redmayne, and I hope it is soon, um, I, I want to test him because um, I want to know who put it in his head, uh, you know, to start doing that. Because I have seen it before. He did it, was it a couple of years ago in a in a A-League game where he um, – just started dancing around, not quite as elaborately as he did in the international. Yeah, it was against it was against uh, Perth Glory. In was the, it against in the Perth penalty Glory? shootout final? Okay. He saved off uh, Brendan Santelet. There you go. There you go. So uh, you know we weren't we weren't being delusionally <laughs> no. done it before. Well, I wonder, George, how those penalty antics might be potentially received next season with some of the. Possible European imports that are coming in. Yeah, that's interesting. The that's interesting. Because of course the the big headline was that uh, Nani is is on the verge of yeah. signing up. Nani. There's victory. even there's even talk that Assess Fabregas, who you'd you'd know a little bit more about because being an Obviously, Arsenal boy, yes. um, better off or worse. What, what would you make of Assess Fabregas coming to Australia to play? I don't know limited minutes in the A League or even extended minutes in the A League. I mean, I I feel very conflicted on the the, Why? the concept of well, not not on Cesc Fabregas specifically, but on the concept of the sort of marquee strategy as a whole. I, I wonder what's wrong with this, the marquee. Well, I, I just wonder if it's a if it's a good long term plan. I have no doubt. It's never that been that, a long term plan. It's always been an opportunity to pump the game up. Of it's like doing ads. Yeah, we yeah. we we push certain promotional ads for a specific reason. To alert, to to enlighten, to open people's minds up to. Oh my God, that's happening! Uh, you don't think Bunnings would be spending the enormous amounts of money, or Coca Cola or anybody else, if those ads didn't work? Well, those ads are the marquee players. Uh, when Emil Heskey came um, in those opening games, some of the crowds that we saw attending at their original matches 
were, were pretty good. In fact, we saw Sturridge, who had the most abysmal season on the field, uh, deliver a full crowd no, at their first true. home game in Perth. But then I just wonder how many of those people will, will continue to, to turn up. But, had, but- had he had a season that would be... Look, I put it to you that had Daniel Sturridge been able to stay on the pitch long enough okay. to play some of the football that he's certainly capable of playing, yeah. right? Uh, maybe not for as long as he did when he was in his heyday for s- some of the biggest clubs in the EPL, mm. um, you would have been seeing quite a few. No, hey, da- when David Villa came and spent a few weeks at Melbourne City, I can tell you the buzz around the city and around the league was very exciting. And what people don't readily appreciate, he was meant to stay along with Frank Lampard for 10 games. Yeah. For 10 games. But a whole series of things behind the scenes conspired to make sure that they never saw 10, 10 games in the A-League. Uh, Lampard was snatched up by Manchester City because he of his being an English player yes. and they needed to balance their English player books, which is something that the EPL demands, which is fine. Uh, but that meant having to draw one of their players from New New York. Yes. And the two that were there, one was Frank Lampard, the other one was, uh, was, was Villa. So Villa, of course, alerted then that he's lost Frank Lampard, was then told, you better come home early because you're now the only one we have to promote the game in New York. Well, and you know that was the whole point of the exercise yeah, initially. And it's, it's, it's funny, George, I, I look, as much as I might have my reservations with the strategy from a long-term perspective, yep. I am all for Cesc Fabregas joining <laughs> because, because I think I think he could have a similar impact to Sturridge. I mean, Liverpool probably are the biggest supported club in Australia, oh, so say, well, Liverpool players are going to have when the you see, impact. When you reflect on that fabulous turnout uh, that victory played Liverpool at yeah, the MCG, when you consider that that was just an exhibition mm. and more people turned out for that exhibition, which featured Liverpool, than, than was in the biggest game of the season at the MCG, which is notoriously uh, the grand final of the AFL every year. Yeah. That year, the that crowd was the number one crowd to attend uh, anything at yeah. the MCG. And that tells you an awful lot, doesn't it? Exactly. And right. if, if Liverpool fans are first, then Arsenal fans are probably second, second best, probably second or third on the list. I would yeah, say. I would have thought and maybe Manchester United might shade you a little. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, would, that say, fair? I would say third, but that's yep. still that's still, hey, that's, a, that's still a significant following. Yeah, and let's absolutely. not forget because one of the areas that Sesk has been mooted to move to is New South Wales. When and they played in 2017, Arsenal against Western Sydney and Sydney, there was the ANZ Stadium was and sold out. Fabregas also has the Barcelona link. Yes. So there'd be a lot of exactly. Barca fans who saw Barca recently yeah. would have gone, oh, wow. Of course. So they'd be energised by that. And I think for me... And that's w- the point of, of a marquee. Exactly. And I think for me as well, unlike uh, Daniel Sturridge, who maybe. You know, the the physical conditioning sure. of Daniel Sturridge yep. is, is a bit more important for the kind of player that he is. But oh, Cesc like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fabregas he needs to be explosive. Is, is a technically brilliant midfielder. He Correct. doesn't need to be running and, and, and sprinting all the time. He can, he can do everything from the centre circle pretty much. Correct. And I think yeah. a, a player, it's Cesc Fabregas is the kind of player that Australian football doesn't have enough of. So I mm. can see him coming in yep. and not just impressing, but actually starting the conversation about what do we actually do to create more midfielders that can do that sort of Charlie thing. Charlie Austin coming to Brisbane Raw. What do you make of that? 
Well, I really, I really like it because mm. Charlie Austin combative. Yes, um, I mean, he's look. The fundamental thing for me is how he actually fits in uh, to Brisbane because yep. Brisbane suffered all of last season. They had plenty of promise for yep. me. Oh, plenty yeah. of young players came through and impressed. Interestingly, but- Josh Parrish early on last year put put them in that elite. They're going to be the 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 team that makes the biggest moves all year and. He oh. he said to me halfway through the season, "Whoops, I, I think I got it." Yeah, I'm, well, I'm willing and to wear And I don't think it was. I don't think it was a case of he got it wrong. They had, as you say, some challenges that they didn't see coming. Yeah, and and it crueled their their competitive spirit that that particular year. Yeah, of course. And look, in terms of the striking stocks, let's not forget they are working off a very low base. Obviously, Juan Lascano was there last year, didn't do a particularly good job. But Charlie Austin is. A really, really good hold-up play sort well, of striker, and I think if he's coming in to do that sort of job at Brisbane Raw, uh, and he seems the, the the thing that I actually do like about it is he actually seems very keen on the idea of being in Australia. Like, l- let's not forget that he had offers from other clubs correct. in the championship, other yeah. clubs in League One. He could very easily have stayed comfortable, stayed put, but he actually wants to come to Australia, and that gives me more hope that he actually has something to provide because he's not just coming here for easy money and a holiday because if he wanted easy money, he would have stayed where he was. Correct. Uh, so he's come down to, to Brisbane, who let's not forget are not, a, not exactly a club at the moment with significant financial means. So I think it's, I think it's really endearing that he's um, choosing you know, not to play for the money and to come down to Brisbane for a, a challenge for something different. I think that, the, that I think the climate. Up. I think the climate is going to appeal to him enormously. I think the lifestyle is certainly going to, uh, 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 you know, fit him yes, like a glove. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what: uh, if you reflect on the players that Brisbane Raw lost last year, the couple of them went to Western United and did awfully well, did they not? Indeed, they did. Yeah, the goalkeeper Jamie Young, and that smart young uh, forward who has got a bit about him. Um, just remind me his name. From Brisbane, uh, from Brisbane uh, Raw, Luke, Luke Ivanovich. No, no, not Ivanovich. Um, uh, the the off. double barrel name. Oh, Wenzel Halls. Wenzel Halls. Wenzel Halls, of course. A- again, at Western United. Yes. Yes. He he went from there as a promising striker, young striker, to Western to give them that real drive. And, and every time I saw him play throughout uh, this past season, Wenzel Halls was combative, was there, and would pressure and pressure and pressure. All he could, yeah? yeah. Even if he mightn't score, and he did score, even if he wasn't scoring in the numbers that some people imagined he would, he, he certainly put himself about. Which to all you can ask of young players, absolutely. And I think Johnny Aloisi and that whole tr- training squad at Western United gave him the sort of confidence to continue to grow. And by the grand final, that was a pretty uh, exciting, uh, spearheaded. Uh, unit that they had at the front, which gave Melbourne City enormous troubles for the Absolutely. entire game. And I, I'm actually gr- glad you've brought up Western United as well because, you know, there are sort of – it looks as though Alex Prijevic might be on the on the outer, might be might be heading out. And because they, he signed quite a long deal at Western United, if he does indeed move on, as, as some are suggesting, uh, Western United are uh, – Odds on to pick up a pretty handsome transfer fee for him. Correct. So Charlie Austin has also been signed to a multi-year deal by Brisbane. There's not a reason to suggest that if he does have the one season, even if he doesn't enjoy it quite as much as he's expecting, 
Uh, there's nothing to suggest that Brisbane couldn't also potentially recoup uh, a transfer fee good for point. a player who comes in, does a good job, and maybe attracts the interest of of uh, India or a Southeast Asian league or something like that. So I think that's a pretty good deal, as opposed to someone who's upper 30s touché. and you can't get any return on investment. No, touche. Um, what I was going to say to you, there have been an awful lot of exciting announcements this week. Uh, we've seen uh, 10 and Paramount Plus uh, show us that there are some big changes. We've had Beverly McGarvey at a recent luncheon talk about, yes, they've taken on board some of the challenges and some of the problems that have beset uh, both the app and their um, broadcasting uh, schedule. Uh, everyone understands what transpired. For those that don't, well, we can tell you yet again that uh, we're not making excuses, but uh, COVID did play a principal role in curtailing much of the early development and preparation work for both 10 and Paramount Plus. Uh, and the uh, now Australia Cup which was uh, seriously compromised uh, last last season. Uh, I can remember speaking to one of their uh, you know, major producers who said to me, we want to get our teams out there, but we can't move. We're not allowed out of the state. We can't get into this state. Uh, so there were things there that compromised the entire competition of both what was the FFA Cup and eventually the A-League, uh, whether it was the A-League men's, A-League women's. So a lot of things uh, didn't work out. We've finished that season. Now we, we've got uh, some clear air. The APL, the new Australian Professionals Leagues, have now given us a full program for next season. And that suggests that you touched on uh, uh, an enlarged and extended uh, A-League, A-League women's, women's yes, which is fact. just awesome. But importantly, too, for the A-League men's, an opportunity now to see how the APL can get up and, and go and do its stuff without having to endure any other challenges. Again, last year, they were in the – for much of that year, it was all – we're going to do this, we're going to do that, uh, we're still hamstrung, we've still got F- FA commitments here. Now now that's all gone. That's all been tidied up. And I want to hear from people like, for example, Stuart Hodge, who's going to be our guest very shortly on FNR, uh, to talk to us about some of the excitement that's been generated over the last few days alone with the uh, program release of the Australia Cup, which is the mm. new FFA Cup uh, competition that is uh, nationwide, and that is super exciting. And I want to hear from the CEO of New South Wales Football to say to to say to us, we're excited. And and did did I mention also that the new program suggests there's going to be a national second division, absolutely in the wind. Isn't that exciting? Yes, one hundred percent. That is exciting. Yeah. And I, I, look, I'm glad. I'm glad you uh, you bring up Stuart because he does join us now, and we get a chance to talk about Fantastic. that clear air for the A League men's and also. The other women's and, yeah, yeah. Just the and what it means the, for the New South Wales and all the uh, the lower tier clubs. Well, Stuart, welcome to you. To you join us at a at a very exciting time for the game. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. Um, I think we were all glued to the draw last night to see <laughs> how it came out, and, and I thought I thought look with it being an open draw for the first time, I thought it really um, made it such a special occasion, and it's fantastic to see just a completely open. Everybody from around the country, no matter whether you're A-League or playing in a state league competition or in, in the uh, case of Wollongong United, playing in a local local uh, association comp, um, you could draw anybody. And I thought that was a really exciting component to uh, last night's draw. 
It, it, it was it was super exciting because, as you touched on, there were so many things that people were sitting on their hands waiting to see how it would eventuate, how it would roll out, and it it, it made an impact, did it not? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, in previous years where, you know, there were zones where uh, clubs were drawn into certain zones, so you, you were anticipating, you know, two New South Wales teams being drawn against each other. And I remember, <laughs> you know, in years, in years gone by, you'd, you'd see two clubs that just played each other in an NPL competition then drawing each other again in the Australia Cup. And, and you know, while they're special occasions, you do want to play against clubs that you don't normally play against. And to see, um, to see the draw last night and how open it was and how exciting it was to be able to see clubs being drawn against, you know, rivals from Victoria and New South Wales or, you know, clubs from, from Queensland, you know, having to travel to WA and things like that. I, th- I think it was, uh, it's fantastic and it's going to be such a great experience for those, um, those players. Uh, Stuart, is this more work for you? Oh, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> uh, look, we, uh, we got a few home games in New South Wales. So, so we'll be, uh, we'll be there helping out the clubs, of course, but, We'd rather them be playing at home than going on the road. We want them to have that that home field advantage. And it's it's going to be terrific to see a club like Wollongong United being able to host Green Gully. You know, it's been such a fairy tale run for Wollongong United to to get through. You know, they're a, they're a great team in the Illawarra Premier League and, and they've done the region very proud. And for them to be able to host a match against a, a strong club from the NPL in Victoria... It's going to be a real test for them, but you know they've overcome clubs like Blacktown City to, to get this far. So why not? Why not see them continue the fairy tale run? Well, Stuart, it, it's not the only Wollongong, obviously the most spectacular of the fairy tale runs. But what's really intrigued me about New South Wales, uh, particularly compared to to Victorian teams who have made the national rounds, is that there is so much representation from outside the the top flight, obviously you have Wollongong in the Illawarra Premier League, but you've also got a club like uh, Bonnie Rig and, and North West Sydney who are playing in, in uh, the, the NPL League One as well. So and they're be... seasoned clubs, what people don't readily yeah, appreciate, and Stuart will tell you, uh, they're really seasoned clubs. They've seen some terrific times, they've seen some terrific squads, and here's an opportunity to flex their muscle, isn't it, well, I mean, that, that just must speak to the, the strength of, of the, the competition at all levels in New South Wales as well. Yeah, it does. I mean, you know, as, we, as I mentioned, we saw, you know, Wollongong knocking out NPL clubs, you know, from the Illawarra Premier League. And as you said, only one club from NPL being Sydney United made it through out of the four clubs, um, which does which does demonstrate the strength of, um, of the second division that we have in New South Wales in terms of League One. And, you know, as George said, you know, Bonnie Rigg has such a storied history and yep. NWS spirit are doing such a great job with, um, with youth development and, and the players coming through there. And and they're challenging for promotion to come up into NPL next year. So you know, those we've got some clubs in some really good form coming into uh, coming into this competition, and hopefully they can continue it through in the round of thirty-two. We're talking to the CEO of uh, New South Wales Football, Stuart Hodge. Uh, Stuart, what was the highlight for you last night? Uh, look, I think for me, Wollongong United, the, the first the first association club to make it to the round of thirty-two, and, and I think it's. It's such a tribute to them and the, the hard work that they've put in. You know, as we've watched this, this competition progress, we have seen clubs from, you know, maybe a second tier of a state league competition. But to see, to see a club, you know, from an association 
football competition make it all the way through to the round of 32. You know, I'd, <laughs> I, used to, I used to talk about maybe we should seed our competitions to ensure that an association club makes the round of 32 as they, as they used to with the, with the uh, FFA Cup ensure that an, a state league club made it through to the semifinals. Yep. I was sort of saying, how, how do we get an association club through? Because it is such a wonderful story. Oh, it is. And, and in the end, we didn't have, we didn't have to do it. They, no. they earned it themselves. So, so good on them. That's yeah, to wh- me the what you're life. saying is we didn't, we didn't have to fix the books or set things up in order to make it happen. It, ha- it actually has happened because of the good work and the, uh, and the skill and, and the fire that uh, these clubs now feel uh, is within them. I, I love, look, for me, the Australia Cup, and I've got to say what was the FFA Cup, was the most exciting innovation in the game for a long, long time because for, for a great many great clubs of the past, they had been left behind or left out of what was the new A-League. And, and that's not a nice place to be. The last thing you want is to be like a shag on a rock left behind, uh, never given an opportunity to compete. And I can remember the, the, uh, the old schoolyards uh, in my early days before I could speak any English. I can remember feeling like this, uh, you know, like this, um, out, not an outcast, but, but very definitely an outsider. And the last thing you want in this now game, which is the world game, is to ever feel like an outsider. So here we have a tremendous competition and it's got a, br- a brand new name, which I, I think is a, is only right, the Australia Cup, because that's what we're playing for, the right to make to make it to the very top. And we've added some juicy prizes at the very top of the Australia Cup, which makes it even more exciting, Stuart. Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll have to see if some clubs can meet the criteria to go into the Asian Champions. Wouldn't that wouldn't, wouldn't 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 that wouldn't that be amazing? But oh, that's the uh, sort of headache you a, want to have. <laughs> well, you know, and, and I, I was sort of hint, you know, Wollongong United win stadiums, a great stadium down in Wollongong, oh, you know? super stadium. <laughs> we, we 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 certainly could could see them playing there. But you, you're right; it's wonderful to see, you know, all of these clubs on on the national stage again last night. And so much interest in this in this competition, and you know, I really love the round of thirty-two. So many matches, so many chances for upsets. You know, and and you know, interestingly enough, you know, several matches where A-League clubs have drawn against each other, which which means I think this competition is really going to be wide open. I think it's there's a there's a very good chance that you know state league clubs can go a long way in this competition. I, I think it's going to be very exciting to watch it unfold. Stuart, not 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 to d- detract from the focus or dampen of the conversation, our, or dampen which, our hopes, which, which is to, well, it's not, I'm not going to be dampening Stuart's <laughs> hopes at all. But I, I don't want to take away from the Australia Cup chat wherever possible. But Go I've on. got to talk about your top flight NPL over oh, right. in New South Wales because it, it is just an incredible season that that is going on over there. Obviously, yeah, Manly super United competitive. top of the table at the oh. moment, but four points separating first all the way down to sixth. It's it's a crazy year you guys are having up north. Where are very envi- envious of you here in Victoria. See what a little excitement. Race see what South a little incentive does. Stuart will tell you about that. Incentive <laughs> means an awful oh, yeah, lot. <laughs> you know, we, we have the ladder for the men's and women's competitions that are in our reception. And I can tell you every Monday morning, <laughs> there's a lot of change going on with that ladder. I mean, you can you can be in first, lose a game, and drop to fifth. Wow! I mean, it's it's so close. It is it is as close as we've ever seen. And um, really, I mean, you know, try and pick a winner from here right now. Mm-hmm. It's uh, 
it's almost impossible. It's um, it's been such an amazing season. Clubs have been up and down, and uh, you know, one week to the next, you really don't know who's going to win, and it, it's making for some some fabulous football. Uh, Stuart, tell me something. Are we still seeing great numbers of young boys and girls wanting to play the game? Oh, absolutely. You know, by far, we are still the most popular team participation sport. You know, out of out of COVID, you know, you get anecdotal feedback from some other sports that, that they've, you know, some, some people have walked away for the game. And, and you know, you understand that, that, that COVID has had an impact. But certainly, you know, in football, Last year, we saw our numbers increase despite um, despite the pandemic, despite COVID. And I, th- I think it's because, you know, it really is a sport for all. And it's a sport that, you know, is very easy to get into. People love playing. And we're actually seeing seniors come back into the sport too. That was something that was really uh-huh. interesting coming out of the, the, the sort of lockdowns um, that, that people wanted to play. It was almost like, you know what, I've realised, you know, I've been been stuck at home and I, I, I miss getting out and I miss playing sport and I want to get back into football. So we've, um, we've seen that. And obviously off the back of the Women's World Cup too, there's, there's a, an increase in, in interest in the women's game and, and a lot more females wanting to play the sport, which is, which is fantastic. And, and we secured a, recently a $10 million legacy fund with the New South Wales government to support initiatives to, to support women's football. Um, facilities, programs, mm. scholarships, those sort of things. So there's there's some wonderful opportunities to be, you know, involved with the game at the moment. But it, it's great to hear that that sort of interest in playing the game has sustained throughout you know the the oh, difficulty of the past two years. And I think especially with that Women's World Cup coming up, and I think people are even underestimating still how much of a uh, boost that could stand oh. to be for participation numbers and things like that. But well, one thing that we have seen change uh, here in Victoria, Stuart, and I'm interested to see what the situation's been like in New South Wales, is that we, we have had uh, quite a drop off in numbers of referees over the course uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. over the course of the pandemic. Our re- refereeing assignments have been a real challenge for the federation here in Victoria. I, I'm curious to know whether that's a, a trend that you guys have experienced in New South Wales as well, or, or just generally how the health of uh, the referee team is up north. Yeah, look, I think for us, it's been a little bit of a different issue. We, we've seen our referee numbers maintained, but the availability rate has, has been an issue. Um, we, you know, we had such terrible weather to start the season. Mm. You know, we, we, we talked about the, the, the impact of the last few years. We had, you know, drought, bushfire, pandemics. And, and, you know, everyone was just hoping for a clear runway into this season to be able to enjoy their, their football. And we, we just got hit with terrible weather for an extended period of time there were there were there were weeks where you know some competitions had played you know three out of 12 rounds and things like that and so the availability of referees became a bit of an issue because you know partly because of the weather Mm. and you know the difficult conditions for matches that were being played and then when the weather was was clear you know it was you know rare so people probably wanted to get out and enjoy Mm. enjoy the weather um and so that's been a bit of a challenge for us, but we have seen it sort of stabilise recently. Mm. And and um, you know, there's, but there's been plenty of catch-up games, which again puts uh, puts the pressure on referee numbers because 
with with losing so many matches during the season you know there's a, there's double headers there's there's matches on weeknights and so again that does that does stretch the availability of referees you're listening to state of our football nation on FNR George Danikin along with Lockie Flanagan and we're talking to the CEO of football New South Wales Stuart Hodge uh, uh, Stuart I've, I've I need to ask and uh, I I, I want to know um, the the are we getting the the sort of um, uh, support from government whether it's federal and and state that the the game deserves especially with a with an international event the size of the women's world cup coming to us next year I think the the governments uh, are putting a lot of support into the the women's world cup and the key is going to be capitalizing on that with legacy uh, as I mentioned earlier yeah, yeah. You know, we received. But you, you mentioned ten million. Ten million. million. I, I'd like to yes. see that, like yes. thirty million or fifty million. Um, the A, the well, AFL. The, the reason I say that is because the AFL in Victoria has managed to get out of the state government something like two hundred million dollars to renovate uh, its own ground, Marvel Stadium, which is quite an extraordinary business deal if you can get it. Uh, Stuart, um, so I thought yeah, when I heard yeah. 10, I thought, no, no, we've got to go back and ask for more. But uh, you know what I'm talking about? You talked about the weather. We need artificial pitches, don't we? And we're seeing some of the clubs being proactive. Arpia was one of the very first, wasn't it, to get out there and put an artificial pitch at what was Lambert Park. And I can remember how tough and how bare the grass was at Lambert Park in its heyday. Um so are we seeing more – don't laugh – are we seeing more and more artificial pitches being sort of prepared or considered, with, especially with this, you know, tremendously treacherous uh, weather that you saw, uh, you know, over the last uh, 10 months? Yeah, we, we are seeing more investment from government into, into what we're calling all-weather surfaces. All-weather surfaces. And that's, that's a, key at the, a key at the moment because when we saw all that rain recently – those with um, synthetic services were able to play. Yeah. And that's such an advantage to clubs that have them, especially in terms of recruiting players. Yeah, you know, yeah, when, yeah. You're, when you're trying to attract people to your club, those clubs with those, with those services and good facilities are, are going to start attracting more players than others. And it's absolutely vital that there is more investment from government. You know, as you said, we, we, you know, we see the investment that goes into AFL and into NRL clubs and, and facilities where NRL you know, clubs train and play. And, there does need to be more investment into into football facilities for the size of the sport we have. It's um, you know it's it's not fair the uh, the investment that goes into our game compared to others. And um, you know, as you said, a key part of that is is making sure that we've got pitches for people to play on because especially in in many parts of Sydney, there's not more land to find. Correct. We have to improve the facilities that we have, and that means you know synthetic surfaces good change room facilities, um, and that will make the experience for the player so much more enjoyable, more more enjoyable for a referee, for, for volunteers. And that's what keeps them in the game, George. You know, that's what we, we need to keep people in the game because as, uh, you know, James Sutherland said, said recently, you know, the CEO of, of golf, he said, you know, we've got a national crisis coming yeah. if we don't get kids playing sport. Yeah, I saw a, a tremendous uh, documentary the other day, and it was uh, about the the Chicago Cubs and how they uh, basically had to reconfigure and refashion the old Wrigley Field, which mm. had been there a hundred plus years, and they they had uh, an enormous opposition from just about everybody that you could imagine, 
and ultimately they made some decisions, they took some punts, they gambled in some areas and they got it done. But what they did and what we see today is that beautiful old you know, stadium has been given a whole new lease of life for the next 100 years. But what they've also done is they've used new technologies, new uh, exciting developments uh, like um, uh, you know, the, the use of parkland around what was uh, a ground that had no more space, had certainly no car, car spaces and no parking available. So what did they do? They made it a special area, uh, almost like a precinct for, for entertainment. So they brought, what did we see? We saw families and communities coming back and using the stadium for more than what it was intended for. And the same applies to Lambert Park. Arpia doing some, you know, hoping to do some wonderful things to, to shape the ground and also the surrounds in such a fashion that you come and if there's no game there, the, the community can come and enjoy the ground anyway or at least the amenities around the ground. And that's exciting too. Yeah, as you said, they, they more and more sporting precincts have to become, you know, seven day a week entertainment yes, precincts. Spot on, spot you on. Know, you, you, you know, the you you have the O2 Arena in London. You know that has a cinema, a cinema inside the foyer and uh, uh-huh. shops and things like that. Like it has to be, there has to be more than just a, a match day experience for those venues. Well, you I have suppose to be able to provide. A lot of things on non-match day. Well, that's probably why they're spending all the money and they can afford to spend the money because they know it'll come back to them many times over. And especially when the next elections are due, they'll go, oh, yes, they did the right thing by us. We'll support them. Or at least you hope so, don't you? Absolutely. That's right. Uh, What's next on the uh, schedule, uh, on the calendar? You've got an extraordinary competition going, as you touched on. Um, we're not going to ask you to pick a winner because we know that's not fair. You're you're Mister Neutral. But what's the next big event? Uh, you've got some international teams travelling around. I'm, I, I've got uh, Crystal Palace uh, playing at the MCG next month. What's happening in New South Wales? And are you guys involved? I tell you what, I'm looking forward to is the Matildas versus Canada on the opening yes. week of the brand new Sydney Football Stadium. Um, that is going to be an incredible night to see the Matildas play uh, Canada as the first football match to be held at the new stadium. I mean, there's so much excitement over the the new stadium and this will be where the the Matildas opening match of the World Cup is going to be. So the chance to get our first look at that and, and have the Matildas playing there is is really exciting. Is this Very the new is this the new forty thousand seater, the old sports ground, Allianz Stadium complex? Yes. Yes, that's the one. So wow. it'll be the, the home of Sydney Sydney FC. But for for that night it'll be the home of the Matildas. So Goodness um, gracious. You know, we, so we'll what's look, the date? Really what's the date? What's that. the date, Stuart? Uh, I think it's in September. September. Um, there's a there's a week there's a there's a there's an incredible lineup of, of three sporting events over four or five days to to open it, and um, with the Matildas playing Canada being the the highlight for me, that's for sure. I was just going to say my great fear, and you know what I'm going to say to you, uh, there'll probably be a rugby league game, there'll be a rugby union game, and you know what rugby union games do, don't they? They tear up the pitch because yeah, you've and, got and you're, you're right. You got heavyweight packs. All wanting to, uh, to, to a piece of the action and the ball, and I've seen I've well, seen what happens to these modern pitches. I hate it with a passion. 
Well, you're right because there's a rugby league match there you and go. then there's a rugby union yeah, match and thank then the Matildas oh. in, the, in the space of four, four or five days. No, so put let, the Matildas hope, first and run the others later. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Oh. So, look, let's hope, let's hope the pitch holds up fine that, that opening that opening week because it, it is going to be such a fantastic occasion. You know, so many people will want to come out and see the venue, see the Matildas. Um, you know, we, we've got one year to go coming up in a, in a few weeks. Jesus. I mean, how exciting is it? Oh. How exciting is it that we've mm. got the Men's World Cup coming at the end of the year and then, you know, seven, eight months later we have the uh, the Home World Cup for the Matildas. It's it's going to be such an exciting period. Cannot disagree with anything you've just said and we wish you a, a fantastic end to the NPL season. Uh, and may we see some exciting matches with the Australia Cup and bring on September. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me. Stuart Hodge from uh, Football New South Wales, just giving us a sense of some of the excitement and some of the things that he's experienced over the last 24 hours, especially with the announcement uh, of uh, of the draw for the Australia Cup and everything that's gone on with it. That's exciting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we're going to stay in New South Wales because what have you got uh, for me? joining us now, we previewed him before, but he's here oh, now Alex for here. us, Sydney FC captain Alex Wilkinson. Alex Wilkinson, a warm welcome to you. How are you enjoying your uh, your off-season? Yeah, well, it's pretty much over now. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry in, uh... for bringing it up. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, a Alex... score point, actually. It's never much fun getting going back to the first week of pre-season. There's always a bit of running involved. I but, think that's, uh, that's the decision. Yeah, we're, we're starting I was going to say. Tomorrow, so hopefully it's not too much of a, a shock to the system. Mate, it's, go- it's going to be a shock. But listen, you've been one of those rare players. You've been in the game 20 years. Is that right? Just 20, the 20th yeah, yeah, year? Yeah, about that. 20 yeah, years. And it, it doesn't it, get any easier, mate. I was going to say, <laughs> I, I know it doesn't get easier, but you get smarter at doing what you need to do. I've always believed that's what experience does. And you have been in this game, uh, if you take me back, you're, you're, young, you're 37 years young, is that right? That's right, yep. Uh, Northern Spirit, your first home. And we go back to that's 2002. Right. That feels two, like th- a long time ago now, oh, but it was. God. <laughs> Uh, you know, the, I reflect on those forty-five games that you played, and you and you didn't get on the scoreboard once. What the hell were you doing wrong? <laughs> oh, poor, Mate, poor Alex. Lucky, shh, shh. Lucky. I haven't got on the scoreboard much since. So, uh, oh no, that's not true. But your your golden time on the scoreboard was when you went to Korea. You you ended up with three goals, uh, I think, at your time with uh, John Book uh, Hyundai Motors. You, you played, what, about 85 times and you scored two or three goals. So the, you yeah. ha, you've had moments in the career when um, you, you've either snuck into the right spot on a corner or, or been right where you needed to be to put the ball in the back of the net. Have they all been with your head or have you scored one with a foot? Yeah, I've scored one or two with a foot, but mostly <laughs> been with the head. But uh, like you said, it's usually just... Uh up from a corner and lucky enough the ball probably just hits me in the head I'm you know I don't do too much to usually get on the, get on the end of it I'm not too prolific in that regard oh, but, uh, listen yeah, Alex lucky enough to score a few lucky I'm just lucky I don't get paid to score goals mate otherwise it would have been out of the game a no lot no you get paid an awful lot of money to make sure you get you make it very difficult for others to score that's that's the idea <laughs> of the captain of, of Sydney also you've been the captain of the Central Coast Mariners at a time when that club was really competitive um, you've had a time too at uh, Melbourne City. 
you've been around the world. You've been around Australia, but you've been around the world. Uh, what have you learned in all that time, Alex? Oh, look, I think um, you obviously learn as you go along. Yeah, and, the, and the older you get and the longer you've been in the game, obviously mm. you're, you're still learning. And I'd like to think that I'm still learning now. I don't think you ever stop. And I think sort of when you stop, stop learning and then sort of stand still is when – you know, other people can overtake you. So I think you're always learning, but it's been it's been an unbelievable journey for me. I, I, I couldn't have asked for for more in, in my football career to date. Like you said, I've been lucky enough to to play for some some a few different teams in Australia, but also a couple overseas, and also you know been lucky enough to play with the national team and, and travel around the world and, and play some fantastic places there. So. Um, I count myself extremely lucky and um, still really enjoying the game and um, enjoying Sydney FC and um, hopefully, you know, looking forward to, to a not too hard pre-season and, and, and getting, un- getting the season underway pretty soon. Uh, bless you, mate. Uh, I've just got to say, you were talking about the, your days with the Socceroos. Uh, one of your uh, teammates uh, who has made quite an impression of late, you know who I'm talking about, Andrew Redmayne, um, does he does he does he practice all those special moves um, during during practice sessions, or does he save them up for just the dance every other weekend? No, yeah, he saves them up just for especially for the penalty shootout. So I'm assuming he does it at home in the mirror with his uh, with his missus and his little one at home. Tell just, me uh, what, 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 did ma- what did you make? What did you make? What did you make of his contribution? Oh, look, it was um, it was unbelievable. Look, I knew nothing about it like everyone else. And, <laughs> you know, I, I was watching the game and obviously come the 190th minute, they panned to him and I, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a big call, but it's also for Red as the – you know the perfect opportunity to go on because you, you know in a shootout all the pressures on the on the takers the keepers don't have anywhere near i guess as much pressure on them and um you know redders could just sort of go onto the pitch feeling free and 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 having a a, a wonderful chance of you know being the hero and, and getting us through to the world cup and that's how it sort of played out he's we've seen before that he's a fantastic penalty saver he's a, he's a huge human being and, he, and he's got a great wingspan so he, you know, when you're stepping up to the spot, and I've done it a few times in training, he sort of covers a lot of that goal. I know. It's quite intimidating. So. <laughs> That's what people um, don't readily give him enough credit for. He is a big unit. I can remember when he took over he from Clint Bolton he is, he is. Uh, at Melbourne City. Mm. Um, we all said, he's one big unit. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, uh, my, my complaint, and I, and I shouldn't complain, but I'd, I'd get frustrated with him occasionally when, when he was with us at City because he'd make the, the, the that one solitary blooper and you'd go no he's much better than that but since he came to Sydney he's actually blossomed even more we've seen a consistency to his game and we've seen him grow and and I don't mean physically I just yep. mean I mean that <laughs> his presence and you as the captain and you at the back of course you guys must have is it telepathic or does it you can hear him calling yeah, I think we've we've sort of developed that now. We've been playing together now for for quite a while, number of years. And the longer you play together, the more you get to sort of know um, exactly what sort of each other do and exactly what each other like. And I think just in in terms of his his game, like you said, I think it's it's gone to a new le- new level over the last three or four years. And I think that's just down to confidence and you know him playing a lot of games and um, having it you know, a, a great relationship with our, our goalkeeper coach, Matt Nash, and also the national team keeper coach in John Crawley, just yeah. giving him mm. so much confidence in his ability. And, and, and I guess the club as well, just backing him and, 
um, really having that belief in him. And, and then obviously success that we've had at, at, at domestic level as well brings, um, brings confidence as well. So he's just, like you said, taking his game to the next level. And, and now hopefully in, in a few months' time, he'll, he'll be going to a World Cup. Goodness gracious. Yeah. That's fantastic. It is. Fantastic. Um, look, Alex, the, the, the best thing about his unique penalty routine, as you were saying before, if he's dancing in front of the mirror or if he's got a, a night <laughs> off from training and he, he goes out for a dance, he can call that, he can call that training. That's Correct. an extra session. Yeah, put it on right. the book. Tell the <laughs> tax man. Tell the tax man. That's absolutely perfect for it. Um, hey, Alex, you, you were talking earlier about, obviously, not just your experience of being captain, but how you've learned different things uh, across the journey. I, I, I want to ask you a little bit about your experience as captain of Sydney through last season. Obviously, it was a bit of a challenging season for the Sky Blues not making the finals, but what kind of a challenge did it throw up to you specifically as a captain? And, and what learnings did you did you take out of that, that year mm. that you can put into the season ahead? Yeah, look, last year was was a really difficult year for our, for our football club. I think, um, you know, we've set some really, really high standards over the last five years and, um, you know, we, we were nowhere near sort of living up to them last year. And, you know, it was, I think there was, it wasn't just one thing. I think there was a number of things that, you know, probably uh, contributed to that. And I guess, look, as, as captain, I guess you've just got to sort of make sure that the boys are not getting too disheartened and down and, mm. and just making sure the vibe throughout the whole place is still reasonably positive. You know, it, it's, it's difficult because like I said, um, we've set some really high standards and we're, and we're used to winning games and being successful. And when you're not, all of a sudden, uh, it can be a bit of a, um, I guess, a shock to the system and, and, and people can get, you know, pretty disappointed pretty quickly. But I guess last year as well, the schedule was was a ridiculous Horrendous. one, and we were Horrendous. playing every, you know, we played every three game, three days for pretty much the whole season, seeing we had to get our, our schedule in, and then also get over to the Asian Champions League. Correct. And so yep. it was important that we sort of uh, kept the morale in the group high because you know if you lose one game and then you know everyone's a little bit down in the dumps and, and feeling sorry for themselves before you know it, you got another game in, in one or two or two days. And um, that can affect the next performance. So I think it was just about sort of keeping the group as positive as possible. And, you know, up until I think, what, three or four games to go, we still had a chance of, of making the finals. But to be honest, we just we just weren't good enough last year and um, we weren't consistent enough. We had some great results against um, some good teams. And then we also, you know, had some pretty average results. Mm. And we just couldn't get on that sort of run that we'd done in previous years where we just win you know, four mm. or five games back to back and you and you end up shooting up a table that's very, very tight. We just we just couldn't manage that last year. So we've got a lot to improve on this year and um, preseason will be pretty important. So um, we're looking forward to to uh, putting in a better better year this year. Alex Wilkinson is our special guest on State of Our Football Nation on FNR. George and Lockie talking to uh, Alex uh, about the new season, which starts, of course, practice tomorrow. Uh, a b- brand new season... Uh, you know, awaits us. We've got a Women's World Cup coming, which is going to be just awesome. You've got the main World Cup in November. So as you say, a lot of things happening. There are touring teams coming to the con- into the country over the next uh, few months as well, getting ready for their new season. Um, you've got a whole new list of players likely to arrive tomorrow at training and because you've lost a, a bunch of uh, players who have been a huge part of Sydney FC over the last few years. And we shouldn't we shouldn't forget you've had a you've had an era and a half of victory after victory after victory. Yeah, it's like I said before, it's been a a really you know successful four or five seasons. You yeah. know, where 
you, you don't usually see it too much in the A-League in, in terms of a team being able to be uh, right up there for that sort of amount of time. And um, it, was, it was a really enjoyable period, you know, and, and um, you know, we, we, like I said, we set some really high standards at the club and, and they're ones that we didn't live up to last year. So this year is going to be hugely important for us. We're obviously going back to our new stadium. Um, That's right. Out mm. at Moore Park there, which is going to be fantastic. Woo. You know, we're really looking forward to, to getting back to that. Um, and like you said, there's going to be quite a few changes in the in the playing personnel as well. Uh, as well, we haven't um, had a lot of changes over the last four or five years. We've we've managed to keep a pretty steady core group of players together, and that obviously add you know a few new players here and there, which is normal. But this year, there's there's going to be a, a quite a bit of turnover, and we've got quite a, a lot of youngsters coming through from the academy, which is great. Uh-huh. We've seen over the A League as a whole that. Um, there's been youngsters popping up in, in teams all through the A-League and, and doing really well. It's just a matter of, you know, giving them giving them time and giving them minutes. And and um, a lot of them have proved to be hugely successful. So I'm sure we can have a few of them as well. And and then obviously we've got a few more um, more senior players to get in as well that I know the club are working on. So it'll be interesting to see what, what transpires over the next few weeks. Alex, one of your young stars out of the academy has done very well at Melbourne City, Marco Tilio. Yeah, yeah. Tilly, Tills was with us for a couple of seasons Correct. before he we went down to City, and and obviously uh, since he's, you know, he, he did really well for us actually as well. A couple of times when he came on, he scored a goal. I remember against the Mariners, and you could tell he was an emerging talent. And then obviously down at City, he's um, he's he's grown and furnished into a, a fantastic young player who's he's just got that X factor. About yeah, him. He has. You know, he's, got he's that, electric. He's, he's electric. That, he is. He's got that ability to come on and. You know, he's, he's always positive. He's, he's running at players and, um, you know, trying to create things every time he gets the ball. And, you know, they're the types of players that we don't have too many of, I guess, in Australia. Have, have and, we got uh, anybody new like him coming up that we're likely to see this year at Sydney FC? Well, actually, George, may I lead the, the witness just a little bit here? Go on. I've been, watching Go a lot on. Of, I've been watching a lot of New South Wales Premier League this season. Go on. And uh, I wanted to ask specifically, Alex, about... Uh, about Jaden Kaczarski because he is currently topping okay. the goal scoring charts yep. for the yep. for the academy side. Have you had to do any defending against him in training because he he looks <laughs> red hot? Don't, at, at don't the pick NPL on level. the captain for goodness sake. <laughs> yeah, he's he's having a fantastic year in the MPL and he's been training with us on and off uh, over the last season or so, and um, it's great to see him just banging in the goals uh, in, at the MPL level, and you can tell that. He's just growing with confidence as the as the season sort of wears on, and as a striker, it's you know confidence plays a huge role, and um, you sort of just get on that role, and, and everything's sort of working for him in the moment. And he's doing very well, and now obviously he's, he's signed the, a scholarship deal with the first team, so he'll be in in and amongst us uh, as of tomorrow, I guess, full time, which is fantastic for him. And we've also got another one coming through in in um, in Segacic as mm. well, who's been playing really well uh-huh. in the MPL. You might have seen he sort of plays out on the left wing. Or as a left ten, and um, you know he's been training with us now for for a couple of years, and um, a great sort of player, similar to Attilio type that that loves to get the ball to feet, run at players, and create things, but can also score a few few goals as well. And I know he's been doing that in the MPL as well. So a couple of exciting talents. Well, it's a, a great to hear that there are exciting talents. Uh, you know that are pushing their way wanting to make a, a you know a name for themselves but you've lost 
uh, Ninkovic. You've lost Young Amini, who's gone to Perth Glory. Uh, that's so. That's going to mean uh, some big new faces uh, in the uh, in the dressing room, and that that throws a, a lot of responsibility on the captain to, as they say, keep everybody uh, relaxed, focused, and uh, going forward in a manner that uh, you know you guys have become very very comfortable with over the last few years. Yeah, and I think that's. You know, that's down as well to the culture we've got within the club and, and also within the change room. You know, we, we pride ourselves on, on having a, a really um, fantastic culture at the club and we're a group that, uh, a playing group that really get on very well. And the club have been fantastic in that, you know, when they're looking for players, they, they obviously look for great players, but they also look for good characters and good people as well and, and people that are going to fit into that culture that we've created. And I think the club's done a really good job of, of finding um you know, those people over the last few years. And I'm sure that's what they're, they're trying to do at the moment. We've obviously got, um, you know, a few foreign spots open, like you mentioned with Nikovic and, and Barbarossa's leaving. Yeah, Barbara, uh, yeah, yeah. So so I'm sure the club are obviously on the lookout for some for some foreign signings as well at the moment. But, um, you know... Uh, we're we, hearing, like we're hearing some also, strange... We're, we're hearing some strange noises about a guy called Cess Fabregas. Have you heard anything about him? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't heard anything, but that'd be, that'd be nice. Who does, he, yeah, who does he play for? Who does he play for again? Correct. Might be, <laughs> might be. Uh, Alex, can I just uh, take an opportunity to say thank you for, for being really patient with us. We, we wanted to get you up last week. We had some uh, challenges here. But uh, thank you very much for making the time and uh, making yourself available. And uh, we wish you every success, my boy. And uh, if you see Redders... Give him a huge uh, hug from us and uh, and say, keep dancing, legend. Keep dancing. <laughs> I will. I will. No, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on. Much appreciated. No worries at all. Alex Wilkinson joining us on FNR. It's been uh, terrific to, to have both Stuart Hodge and Alex Wilkinson to give us a, a sense of the game in New South Wales, the game in Sydney, and, uh, and what uh, lies ahead for one of the teams that has made – uh, has made it its its era over the last few years in the A-League. Sydney FC has been a fearsome opponent. Uh, they've won, uh, you know, with with ease. Um, they had some fear, fearsome battles against uh, Victory uh, and against Adelaide and, and against uh, City. Mm. Um, I, I like to see now how they're going to come together. And I, I suppose, too, it depends on who they bring in through the door. Absolutely. Wearing the overseas marquee number. Yes, that's, that is one of... Which is, which is where most, we started the conversation. The most important question. I mean, look, Sydney have been so, so dominant for so many years that it is easy to forget that they have had, they have had fallow periods before. I mean, yeah. even in the Del Piero Correct. era, yep. which was right before Sydney sort of rose back to prominence, they, they didn't make the finals when he no, was around. No, so they touche. have been... Down the bottom end of the table, and look, Sydney have got the sort of acumen on and off the pitch that you always expect that they will uh, will rise back up to the top. It's just a matter of when, not if. But but just reflect also. You got Macquarie, hungry. They've got a new coach who 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 home, was who was stadium. who was here who was here at the beginning of the A League. So yeah. you know the audiences are going to be very keen to see. What he throws up and how it, how what sort of football Macquarie are going to play? You've got uh, you know the the murmuring now from Brisbane as we touched on. You've yes. got exciting times. Victory have made their own announcements now. We're hearing that Urich has come to join Popper. Um, very they've had some changes there too. They've got some young kids coming in with serious talent. So Victory looking like they're going to throw up 
some more challenges for the uh, the teams that want to win the, the competition. Yeah. And he got Perth Glory, who had a miserable year oh, the only recruiting out, yeah. youngster after youngster after youngster. Well, and I think Ste- uh, Stefan Kolakowski in particular, I think, could be primed for a, a, a breakout year, I guess, if you can, can say that. You want consistency, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. You want, uh, sorry, consistency of, of appearances in order to minutes, build. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, if, yeah. He, if he gets the platform, I really do think that he could have a standout season. But and look, I reckon Adelaide is lurking too. Mm, the mm, makings. Do you reckon uh, O'Halloran might come back to the Reds or will he? is he likely to go to another team like Sydney? Halloran's a possibility. I mean, Goodwin could also be back if you if you re, re, uh, reunite that that deadly duo. That could be some serious danger. But I mean, for for Sydney specifically, that it, it's almost cruel. And Alex Wilkinson having to go back to training tomorrow and no rest for the wicked. Within three weeks, they've already got to play the uh, Australia Cup against the Central Coast Correct. Mariners, which you know, could be the Alex and, Wilkinson. And did I mention that City have picked up a, a Dutchman out of the Eredivisie? Yes. From the Go Ahead Eagles, the Go Ahead Eagles, my favourite favourite team name in football, I think. Right, pretty. Close. Well, let's hope let's let's hope he leads City and, and makes them the uh, Go Ahead City <laughs> side. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> yes. Time for us to go, um, Lockie. Thank you very much for your assistance oh, and uh, your support. Uh, f- for those of you wanting to hear some more, if you've missed some of the program, it'll be available where. Well, anywhere you get your podcast, name you your preferred podcast platform, your favourite one, be it Spotify, Apple, Pocket Cast is an obscure one that I like to throw And in just there. pull up State of Our Football Nation and uh, you'll Football get a chance Radio, to hear place. what Stuart Hodge and Alex Wilkinson had to say, especially about Andrew Redmayne. <laughs> and I, I thought that was a, some precious stuff. Can you yes. imagine he's sitting there and he's thinking, I'm watching the soccer is, but what's this... Go- Andrew, are you coming on? <laughs> I'm wondering if he dances in his sleep now. Just... Oh, we'll have to ask him. Listen, we'll have to get him on. We should. Before they go off to the World Cup. Thank you for joining us. More on FNR next week. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR.